Hello and welcome to the Homebrew Magic Podcast. My name is Nelson and I'm flying solo for this episode. So it is Commander Release Weekend. It's it's Commander Christmas, right? It's one of my one of my favorite weekends, if not my absolute favorite magic weekend of the year. As I'm recording this, it is Sunday, August 25th, and I played in a Commander event yesterday at Schnell's store. Teach was there too. Uh, Schnell did not get to play, at least in the first round uh, that I was there for. The store was pretty busy. Uh, Teach and I were actually in the same pod. We played against each other, just straight up pre-cons, you know, no no funny business, no substituting anything. Uh, really, the only thing you could do was uh, choose which commander out of the box you wanted to play, right? So you had access to any of the three commanders that you can use in, in each deck. We're going to get into a recap episode of that probably next week once I've got a chance to uh, sit down with those two guys, like I said, flying solo this weekend. So you're stuck with me. Uh, but I wanted to kind of keep it on theme, right? So we previewed the decks on our last episode, got a chance to sit down and play with them yesterday. And so I've taken some time between then and now and, and thought about, okay, so if I had to pick 10 cards, not necessarily off the top of my head. I did a little bit of research, a little bit of looking uh, just to make sure that I could kind of find things that were, uh, you know, along along the lines of what I was looking to do, right, uh, for the different decks. So this week's episode is going to be me kind of talking about how I would upgrade the decks, right? Some cards that I think would be really useful and, and kind of make the decks run even smoother, like even, even better, right? Uh, I, I'm not going to suggest what to take out. I'm just going to say, hey, here's 10 cards that fit the theme of what this deck is trying to do with its uh, face commander, right? So I'm not saying, okay, if you're going to do Chainer, here's some really cool interactions you can do with Chainer rather than Anya Falconrath, right? So it's 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 straight up face cards, and and we're going to go through that. So the episode might be a little bit shorter this week, but it was some some cool stuff that I was thinking about that I wanted to share with you in the interim before I get to sit down and talk to the guys, and we can really kind of tell you what happened, how the weekend was, and uh, you know what what we like, what we don't like about how the decks play and and kind of what we saw right uh but before i do that i will let you guys in on what i've been up to lately in the world of magic and i'm still working on that yarrick deck i put stuff in i take stuff out i put stuff in i take stuff out it's a it's a vicious cycle i can't wait to be done with it i'm really banging my head against the wall i i i just every time i think something fits right i'm like yeah but might this be better yeah but might that be better what i need to do is just come up with a base build and finally start play testing it right i just i haven't gotten to that point yet and and i need to because it's getting obnoxious i've never spent so much time and had such of a headache i guess uh, for lack of a better way to put it than i have with this deck and it's just it's i god i don't even know how to describe it it's my own personal tribulation right now that i just need to just need to get through aside from that today the newest plancation event started on arena so i played that uh i think i got three matches of it in i lost the first one to a mono red deck that just burned my face off i was i've been running my hydras because today i've got a you know cast what 30 blue or green spells for 750 coins or something like that so i've been running my simic hydras and I just got smashed in the first game because Mono Red is obviously way faster than a ramp into Hydra's deck. And uh, so it's a, it's a landfall event, right? So every time you play a land, and this is like any time a land enters the battlefield under your control, right? So uh, my Risen Reefs and stuff that I use for ramp, if, if they trigger and a land comes in off of them, it also triggers the landfall. And if, if you draw a land, you put it in your hand. If you draw a creature, 
it goes to the bottom of your uh, as the landfall trigger, right? Not anytime you do this, but as the, so you play a land, landfall triggers, right? If it's a if it's a land, it goes into your hand. If it's a creature, it goes to the bottom of your deck, and you create a one one plant token. And if it's a non creature, non land, you gain one life. Your opponent loses one life, and then it goes to the bottom of your deck. So there's a lot of cards moving through a, a, as you're playing this right now. As it stands, I am two and one. Like I said, I got the shit beat out of me from from mono red in the first game that I played. I don't remember what I played in the other two. Uh, one was a gates deck that never got going. It had one gatebreaker ram. And that was about it. It was super slow. Wasn't really sure what he was trying to do with it. If he just had a shitty draw or if it was just wasn't a very cohesive Gates deck. Uh, ran through that pretty good. And then what was the other one? Oh, it was another Simic ramp deck like I was playing. He didn't have any Hydras. And I got lucky that I had I drew into three Voracious Hydras. I think I had two in my opening hand. And so he was trotting out Hydra Crassus. He I think he had two or three of them. And he was using a, a Nissa. So... I was able to get my own, I think I had two Crassus out, something like that, two or three, but I was able to use the Hydras to fight his Crassus and then hit the Nissa, and then he just, you know, didn't want to play anymore. He he scooped and, and was out. So, so far, so good. It, it's, it's a fun event. I like it. It's a really interesting play on, you know, do you want to play land right now? Is it worth the risk? Because what if that card you need is sitting on top of your library? Or what if you want to get the top card of your library to you know, you want to take that risk and just keep, keep digging right for what you need. So it's a cool little spin on it. There's nothing banned this time around, uh, like the last event and I'm having fun. I believe it's the last one. I think this might be the fifth and final of the, the plain event. So this would be the last full art land. I think the Zendikar lands are the basic lands you win for victories one through five, if I'm not mistaken, I think. So last time the Dominaria standard shakeup where they banned a bunch of standard cards. Uh, that was Mirage, I think, which was really cool to see the Mirage lands uh, in Arena and definitely going to put some of those in some of my decks because those are just killer, killer lands. Uh, this time I think there's Zendikar. So that's cool. Uh, you know, always nice to see new lands come in rotation. Other than that, um, I don't think I've been doing too much in the way of magic, really. It was a lot of prep, right, for this weekend, researching and just obviously life right gets in the way got to do stuff other responsibilities outside of magic uh so like i said this week i'm just going to go through and i'm going to give you 10 cards for each of the four commander 2019 precons and just you know kind of the ways that i think these cards could be useful and why they might be worth uh, taking a look and and adding to adding to your deck or at least considering right so the first deck I'm going to go through is Merciless Rage. This is the Rakdos Menace deck, right? Black, red, discard, basically. And Menace costs and, you know, some little bit of graveyard manipulation, things like that. This is actually what I piloted in the event over the weekend. So I started thinking about this one first and kind of what I do. And anybody who has listened to previous episodes of this podcast knows how much I love vampires in magic, right? I think vampires are awesome. I've got my Edgar Markov tribal deck. I've talked about how, you know, Sengar Vampire is one of my all-time favorite cards. And, you know, you don't need me to sit here and go on and on about how fucking cool vampires are, right? But I thought, okay, uh, Innistrad block, original Innistrad block. And then actually when they went back, right? Shatters, Shadows over Innistrad, Eldritch Moon, uh, those, those sets too, uh, gave us some, some cool madness cards and also some cool obvious vampire synergies you know because it was all about vampires werewolves zombies all that kind of you know spooky scary stuff right uh so i decided that i would take it into a slant of madness vampires right that's what these 10 cards are going to look at 
or, or kind of skew towards for for this deck. So the first card that I thought of is okay. I gotta I gotta get in an Olivia mobilized for war in here. So she is a three three legendary vampire knight with flying uh, from Shadows of Innistrad. So one generic and Rakdos, you know, black and red. Uh, and whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may discard a card. If you do, put a plus one plus one counter on that creature. It gains haste until end of turn, and it becomes a vampire in addition to its other types. So this is going to be important because we've got some other vampire interactions here. But obviously the big part is when when any creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may discard a card. So this deck has a lot of cards that have madness in it. So here's a discard outlet for you, and then you can kind of cast it for, or not kind of, you can cast it if you've got the mana for that madness cost. Sometimes, like, uh, what is it, Malevolent Whispers, I think the Madness cost is the same. I think it's three generic and a red for the Madness and the just straight-up cost for it. But other stuff, you know, it, it gets cheaper, right, or kind of changes the, the casting cost a bit. Maybe there's one more uh, color-specific land you have to pay, but maybe it's two or three generic mana less, right? So... You, you, you look for that synergy. Obviously, discard outlets are huge in Madness decks, and I think this one's great for it. So not only do you get to kind of manipulate your hand and, and play some Madness stuff here, uh, you also get to put a plus one, plus one counter on the creature that you that you cast, and it gains haste, right? Uh, and it's a vampire. So if you've got other stuff that's looking at, you know, vampires matter, right, in the deck, then, hey, suddenly you've got maybe you played, uh, you know, I don't know, a human assassin or, or something like that, right? It's not a vampire, but because you cast it when Olivia was on the battlefield, it's a vampire in addition to its other creature types. So it still counts towards, you know, that vampire count. And, and that helps, that helps a lot. The, the next card that came to mind is another Shadows over Innistrad Vampire. Uh, this is Falconrath Gorger. It's a 2-1 Vampire Berserker for one red mana. And this card reads, Each Vampire creature card you own that isn't on the battlefield has madness. The madness cost is equal to its mana cost. So... Uh, here you're not able to kind of, you're not able to manipulate the madness cost, right? So the important thing here is that vampire cards that are in your hand and in your deck that don't have madness now have madness. And that madness cost obviously is equal to that card's mana cost. So you're not getting the, the, the benefit, right, of a reduced madness cost or, a, or an alternate madness cost. But now you've got cards that you couldn't use um, to your discard outlets uh, for a madness cost and, and, and now you can. So I, I like that added utility that he brings in. He's super cheap and uh, I, 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 I liked him. He was definitely one that came to mind. Uh, next card on the list for this deck is Stensia Masquerade. So this is a card that I actually run in my Markov deck because this is kind of like a Vampire's Matter card, right? So this is an enchantment also from Shadows over Innistrad. Um, starting to see a pattern here. <laughs> Two generic and a red. And attacking creatures you control have first strike. So that's awesome because now your creatures deal their combat damage before any other combat damage is done unless they're, you know, uh, being blocked by a first striker or a double striker or whatever. But uh, standard creatures that don't have any sort of strike abilities, uh, you're dealing that damage first now. And whenever a vampire you control deals combat damage to a player, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. So that's awesome, right? Sometimes people don't want to lose their creatures, so they won't block it. Well, now they've got to think twice about it, right? Could you kill their creature? Uh, or are they going to let you get a plus one, plus one counter on your vampire? And this uh, has a madness cost. So for two generic and a red. So again, this madness cost, this is a card where that madness cost does not change, you know, uh, the from the original mm, casting cost. Uh, however... It's it's it gives you that option, right? You could discard it and then you can cast it. So this is a really cool card that I like a lot uh, in vampire decks. And since we're kind of skewing towards a 
a Vampire Madness deck, this is one that I think you have to have in there. Another card that I think you have to have in a Vampire Madness deck is a Morph card, right? And this is from Eldritch Moon, uh, Voldaren Pariah. So it's a 3-3 Flying Vampire Horror for 3 generic and 2 black. And uh, you can sacrifice three other creatures to transform it. However, Voldaren Pariah does have a madness cost. So if you're able to discard this card and cast it for its madness cost, that would cost you three black mana. So this is a this is a two-color deck. It's not a three-color deck like all of the other decks from this year's commander offering are. So it's a lot easier, right, to kind of get the specific mana cost that you need. And and I think this is a great card to have in there because you're, you know, sacrifice some of your other creatures, but hey, you keep Chainer in the deck, then you can discard a card to Chainer and you can cast a card from from your graveyard. So there's a lot of ways to kind of manipulate built into this deck, Uh, manipulate your graveyard, get some recursion and and do some cool stuff. There's also some spells that directly pull uh, black creatures back out of the graveyard and, and, and things like that. But I think this is a great card to have. And when it transforms, it transforms into Abolisher of Bloodlines. So then it becomes a 6-5 flyer. And when it transforms into Abolishers of Bloodline, uh, target opponent sacrifices three creatures. So you had to sacrifice three creatures to get it there, right? But now uh, you get to target an opponent and they have to sacrifice three creatures. So maybe you don't have a board wipe, but there's somebody on, on, on the board... Uh, or somebody who's got a board that's got some threats on it that you want to be able to eliminate. Now, the thing is, you have to choose target opponent. It's not all opponents. So Tej would tell you that, you know, oh, that sucks. But uh, and of course, I'm I'm joking here. But, you know, leaving it, having to choose target can be good and it can be bad, right? And then obviously you're leaving the choice up to them uh, unless they have three or less creatures. Then they're just, you know, they got to get rid of all of, all of you know, what's up, whatever's on their board. But I think that's a great card for Vampire Madness. And it's one that I actually run in my Markov deck uh, for that reason. It's kind of like a board wipe on a stick, right? Or at least a mini board wipe on a stick. So I like having that option. Uh, another card I like here in this deck, also out of Shadows over Innistrad, is Call the Bloodline. So this is an enchantment for one generic and one black. And for one generic mana and discarding a card, you get to put a 1-1 black vampire knight creature token with lifelink onto the battlefield. Uh, the, the drawback is you can only activate this ability once per turn, right? But this is another discard outlet, so you can discard to this and uh, start rifling through madness cost stuff, right? Which I think is which I think is great. So this is just kind of a, another little bit of a utility card, right? It's not a it's not a game breaker, but it's another way for you to get that discard outlet, and it kind of helps you a little bit by throwing a body on on the battlefield, right? It can uh, it can kind of chump block for you and 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 step in the way of of bigger threats. Uh, the next card I have on the list would be Living Death. So this is a sorcery for three generic and two black. This is a card that I absolutely love, uh, but at the same time, as helpful as it can be for you, it can also be a big help to your opponent. So this could be a little bit more situational, but I think it's a very powerful card, and and I really enjoy playing with it. So uh, this card reads, each player exiles all creature cards from their graveyard, then sacrifices all creatures they control, then puts all cards they exiled this way onto the battlefield. So this is a good way to get some stuff, you know, graveyard recursion for yourself if you're playing somebody who's playing a a, a tokens deck or you know hey look at that this year they came up with a populate deck which is tokens obviously and it's a way to yes they get stuff back from their graveyard but now they've got to sacrifice their entire board and tokens don't go to the graveyard right they just leave play and and they're done because they're not actual creatures uh, or creatures that they've casted so it's a good way to board wipe without filling their graveyard back up right so if they're playing a graveyard matters deck if you can get all their shit out of there and then dump a bunch of stuff or i should say kill a bunch of stuff that doesn't go to the graveyard then you're kind of setting them back a little bit too 
Uh, you know, but like I said, kind of a double-edged sword because it can also help your opponents if there's stuff in their graveyard that, you know, they're looking to get back or that kind of helps them as it comes back into play. So double-edged sword, you got to play it a little bit more situational because of the fact that it recurs things from graveyards other than your own as well. Uh, but I still think it's a great card and a smart addition to this deck. This one goes back a little bit. It was reprinted in one of the commander sets. I don't remember which one, but I think it was originally printed in... God, was it the Tempest block or the Urza block? I don't remember off the top of my head, but it's another enchantment. It's Phyrexian Reclamation, and this enchantment just costs one black mana, so super easy to cast, uh, specifically in this deck, right? And this card reads for one generic and one black mana, and paying two life, return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. So you want to get something that maybe you discarded but didn't, you know, weren't able to to, to pay the madness cost for, or just, you know, you want some sort of recursion. Uh, instead of a spell, this is an enchantment and super flavorful, right? Because it's a Phyrexian card, so, uh, and it's black. So not only do you have to pay mana for it, but you also have to pay two life. Well, in Commander, you double your, reg- your regular starting life total of 20 up to 40, right? So, and you really got to think of it, life is a resource in Magic, right? You can, you can pay it for certain effects. And I think this is a, a very smart way to use life to kind of leverage things uh, uh, back from your graveyard. Uh, creature specifically, it does say creature card, but I like Phyrexian Reclamation a lot. I think that slots well into this deck. Um, the next one that I've got, we're going back to creatures now, uh, is Archfiend of Ifnir. So this is a 5-4 flying demon for three generic and two black mana. And this card works super, super well uh, with this deck because it says whenever you cycle or discard another card, put a minus one, minus one counter on each creature your opponents control. So we're as you can see from some of the stuff we've added to this deck already, we are adding more discard outlets, but the deck itself has a ton of discard outlets. And if we're leaving Anya as our commander and she's on the battlefield, well, we can discard to her and Hey, if she, you know, she's got haste so we can tap her and discard a card immediately. And if that card we're discarding has madness, suddenly she's untapped and we can use her again. So there's no cap. Uh, the only cap really on Anya is how many madness cards do you have in your hand? So it works out really well. I got her to go off, I think four or five times, uh, on the last turn that I was alive when in, in our game yesterday. So it was a ton of fun. It was really cool to really see her just kind of go nuts and, uh, you know, bring a bunch of my opponent's life total down, you know, as I was on my way out the door. But that, again, is going to be a topic for when we're all together and talking about what we saw from Commander Release Weekend. But I think Archfiend of Ifnir is is great, right? And the cool thing is it's got cycling too, right? So for two generic mana and discarding it, you can draw a card. So in the event of, you know, needing to get something going, well, you can you can cycle it to discard him, and maybe that discard effect triggers something else or, or does something else for you. And then you can use your cards like Phyrexian Reclamation or some of your other graveyard recursion uh, to pull him back out if you need to. So there's just so much utility built into the deck and that you can add into it, right? So there's just a lot of reasons why I think Archfiend of Ifnir is good, and uh, it's definitely a card that I would look at putting in. So we've got two cards left. Uh, the the second to last one here is back from oh boy, what was this? Uh, the Stronghold block. Um, it's Tortured Existence. This is another enchantment for one black mana, and this card reads: uh, For one black mana, you can choose and discard a creature card to return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. So this is just another discard outlet. Get that madness engine going right, and you can kind of swap a creature uh, from your hand uh, for a creature from your graveyard. So just some more recursions, some more uh, discard 
outlets and maybe some more you know madness triggers for you so super simple but i still think slots into this deck pretty pretty nicely if you're looking for another discard outlet and the last card on this list number 10 uh, i have to kind of give props to teach for this one because he's the one who brought it to my attention when it was printed in the core set and one that he suggested i put into my nicol bolas discard edh deck and uh, one that i think slots well into into this deck as well and that would be glinthorn buccaneer so this is a 2-4 minotaur pirate for one generic and two red he's got haste whenever you discard a card glinthorn buccaneer deals one damage to each opponent so if you're discarding a card to get that madness trigger for yourself then not only are you able to you know cast that card for for whatever but now you're dealing damage to your opponent as as well so if you can kind of get that sort of value off of discarding a card for madness or just to discard it then you know nobody gets mad at extra extra value right uh and the second part of this card reads for one generic and one red you can discard a card to draw a card activate this ability only if glinthorn buccaneer is attacking so when he attacks you know you can pay that uh, land cost and discard a card in order to draw a card so just a little bit more more synergy you know uh uh, for yourself so i like him a lot i think he fits well into what this deck is trying to do and those are the those are the 10 suggestions i have for you for the madness deck uh you know again it was kind of skewed towards madness vampires but you know i did have a demon in there obviously not not all vampires but if you've got olivia out before you cast that demon well now he's a vampire demon right or a demon vampire whichever way you want to stack those uh, creature types doesn't really matter anyway but you can do whatever you want that's the beauty of the game right uh, second deck on my list that I've got upgrades for is Mystic Intellect. So this would be the Jeskai flashback deck, right? Spells matter a lot in this deck. So you're going to be casting a lot. You're going to be recurring spells a lot because they've got flashback. So I kind of thought, well, what's a good way to get some value off of casting cards anyway? And that's if you've got cards like Talran, Sky Summoner, who's in the deck that, you know, read whenever you cast an instant or sorcery or when you cast a spell, you know, create such and such token right so that's kind of where my mind went first with this and since ultimate masters was uh printed relatively recently it 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 reprinted one of my favorite cards that are kind of value engines right for spells matter decks and that is a red card uh young pyromancer 2-1 human shaman for one generic and one red and whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell create a 1-1 red elemental creature token so obviously this is a big deal because you know in like in red decks and stuff you know you're casting a lot of instant sorceries and hey red is a jeskai color isn't it so you know it it goes a long way i i I like this card a lot it it pairs well with talrand and you know some of the other stuff i've got coming up here on this list it's token generation and what it's what are tokens hey good chump blockers right and and just some extra value for for the spells you're casting this is cheap it's a little bit you know it's a smaller body uh but i I think it provides good utility the second card that i i thought of for this is so we've got ral zarek right in the deck and you guys have already heard our thoughts on on ral and some of the other planeswalkers that are that are in this deck right are they worth it are they not whatever i think you could switch it to a different ral and have even better value and this ral uh was actually printed relatively recently we've got ral storm conduit from war, war of the spark so this is a four loyalty planeswalker for two generic a blue and a red uh ral's got a static ability that reads whenever you cast an 
cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, Rouse Storm Conduit deals one damage to target opponent or planeswalker. So boom, here's some spells matter stuff. Uh, you know, that, that goes a long way. Uh, plus two, you scry one, which is sweet, right? You can kind of manipulate the top of your deck, which is always good. And then minus two, when you cast your next instant or sorcery spell this turn, copy that spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. So I just think this Rao works a hell of a lot better uh, synergistically in this deck than just straight up Rao Zeric, right? So I would recommend swapping those pretty early on if 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 you can. Next card on the list for this deck, this is just kind of a fun thing I thought of. You know, I've seen it on other people's lists, and, you know, I, I think it makes sense in here. It's not a spell. It's another creature. Uh, Torrential Gear Hulk. It's a 5-6 with Flash, which is awesome, so you can play it anytime. Uh, for four generic and two blue, and it reads, when Torrential Gear Hulk enters the battlefield, you may cast target instant card from your graveyard without paying its mana cost. If that card would be put into your graveyard this turn, exile it instead. So now we're getting flashback. Maybe, maybe you've got some spells in the in in the graveyard that don't have flashback and you want to cast them again well here you can cast them again for free or maybe you've got something that does have flashback on it but you don't have the mana for it and you just gotta you gotta get it off right you gotta cast it now well torrential gear hulk allows you to do that so that's a card with a lot of utility uh that i like a lot and i think fits well into this deck and it actually kind of uh complements if we're staying creatures you know this this next card complements the deck just just as well if not better uh it's a it's a tiny little body but he is big in spells matter decks in my opinion and that is goblin electromancer i'm actually kind of surprised he wasn't originally put in this deck but you know he wasn't and i think he deserves a slot so he's a 2-2 goblin wizard for a blue and a red and instant and sorcery spells you cast cost one generic mana less to cast so if you look at the stats of the car uh, of this deck there are a ton of spells right because this is a spells matter deck so you know getting more bodies in there kind of help you as far as um you know if you need a chump blocker or something something to jump in front of but this guy also cost cuts the cost of spells so maybe you can play an extra one or two on your turn uh, back into the land of enchantments, I've got Jeskai Ascendancy as a card that should be put into this deck. So for a blue, a red, and a white, this is an enchantment that reads, whenever you cast a non-creature spell, which is going to be often in this deck, right? Creatures you control get plus one, plus one until end of turn untap those creatures so if you play something uh after you've swung with your attackers and you've got an instant that you want to uh you know pump up one or more of them with or even during your second main phase if you're playing a sorcery or a different instant you know you get to untap the creatures whenever you cast a non-creature spell so that's awesome and then it also reads whenever you cast a non-creature spell you may draw a card if you do discard a card so this just lets you if you want to you know maybe there's something in your hand you want to get rid of or don't really need or you want to bury it because you know um you just want to pay the flashback cost or you know hey i can cast a torrential gear hulk or something right and uh, uh play it for free because maybe the flashback cost is super expensive or maybe you don't have the the right mana for it but you know the gear hulk will let you play it or or whatever uh you don't have to fixate just on the gear hulk like i am right now I just think it's a it's a great card that gives you a lot of different options. You know, you get a your creatures, all creatures get a plus one plus one or get plus one plus one until end of turn. Uh, those creatures untap if they are tapped, and uh, you know you get the option to draw a card. Uh, I think that's a, a fun little thing. 
Going back to the token generators uh, like Talrand and the Pyromancer that I mentioned before, I think Murmuring Mystic is a great upgrade option for this deck too. So this is a, a newer card out of Guilds of Ravnica, and this is a 1-5 human wizard for 3 generic and a blue, and it reads, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, create a 1-1 blue bird illusion creature token with flying. So Talrand creates 2-2 uh, two -two bird token creatures with flying, and this poops out 1-1. One -one. Uh, illusion creatures with flying so just again added value right if you're going to be casting spells anyway why not get some bodies out of it uh they've got evasion they can be used to chump blockers you know whatever i think that's a great card to have and again this this deck isn't super creature heavy so that's just another way to kind of get another body into the deck and that's kind of what we're going for here with this next card uh i've got niv mizzet perun on here so for three blue and three red you get a five five dragon wizard that cannot be countered He's got flying, and whenever you draw a card, Niv-Mizzet deals one damage to any target, and whenever a player, so you or any other player, casts an instant or sorcery spell, you draw a card. So here's a lot of extra card draw for you, which is great. Card advantage is the name of the game in Magic, and then whenever you're drawing those cards, uh, you get to choose uh, any target to deal one damage to. So a lot of value here off niv Mizzet Perun. Uh, it's a three-color deck, so he might be a little bit harder to cast without the proper mana fixing, uh, unless you're you know, mid to late game. But I think he's worth a slot in this deck just because, uh, A, he can't be countered, which is awesome, right? Um, there's a 5-5 five, five body with evasion and, and all those extra abilities. Uh, this next card, kind of a pet card here that I just want to see how it would work in this deck. There's, you know, it, it, it could be good, it could be bad, but uh, it's something that I want to put in and just see how it plays, if it plays, you know, whatever. And that's Thousand Year Storm. So this is an enchantment for four generic, a blue, and a red. And it reads, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, copy it for each other instant and sorcery spell you've cast before it this turn. You may choose new targets for the copies. So obviously this this gets better uh, later game, but if you can get the Ral Storm Conduit out and the Thousand Year Storm, then you can really do some cool janky stuff with... Uh, uh, you know, uh, casting spells multiple times, choosing new targets, all, all this stuff. So it's just a card that I, I think would be a lot of fun to kind of see if you could get it to, to go off. This next card was uh, uh, most recently, uh, it's from, from Modern Horizons, right? So this is a common, and it's a sorcery, and it's a card that I like a lot. It is Scour All Possibilities, one generic, one blue. This card says scry two, then draw a card. So we've got some, some card draw, which is great, but also we've got some deck manipulation, right? You look at the top two cards and you can choose to put them back on top of your library in any order, bottom of your library in any order, split them, you know, whatever. So powerful card. This also has flashback. Four generic and a blue is the flashback cost. I just, I like it a lot. Helps, helps kind of, uh, helps you dig to get what you need, right? And kind of stack the deck in your favor. So it's a cheap card. It's a cool card. I thought it, it slots well into this deck. And the, the last one on the list is another body. And I think he's a good a good card for multiple reasons. This is a Barrel, Chief of Compliance, or Baral, Chief of Compliance, however you want to pronounce him. He's a 1-3 human wizard for one generic and one blue. And uh, just like the Goblin Electromancer, instant and sorcery spells you cast cost one less to cast, one generic mana uh, less to cast, right? And uh, whenever a spell or ability you control counters a spell, you may draw a card. If you do, discard a card. So obviously this is kind of more specific in that it's got to be a spell or ability you control that counters a card. Uh, but again, more card draw, right? And again, you do have to discard a card if you draw it, but maybe you throw a card with flashback into the graveyard so you don't completely lose it, right? You can kind of cast it later. Uh, but I think uh, Brawl deserves a slot here if, you, if you've if you got him. Um, I, I, I like him a lot. I've got a few copies 
I've wanted to build a Brawl deck, but honestly, I'm not a good enough blue player to sit there and build a, a blue Wizards deck and try to figure out a real win condition. So maybe maybe that can be my next head headbang against the wall project after Yarrick is how the hell do I build a decent mono blue EDH deck that actually has a win con. But that's, you know, a topic for a different day. So those are the 10 for Mystic Intellect. Uh, two down and two to go right now. And the next one that I've got is Faceless Menace, right? So this is the Saltai Morph deck. This is what Tej played in our event, and it was really fun to watch. I think this deck is easily the most powerful out of the box. The might have the coolest upgrades available for it, and it's just a deck that I can't wait to to modify and play myself. So the first card I think is probably on everybody's mind is the is the most you know the, hey this makes the most sense to upgrade this deck with, and that's Videlkin Orrery. Uh, it is an artifact for four generic mana, and it reads you may cast non land cards as though they had flash. So this is like a $27, $28 card. So Wizards definitely needs to reprint this because it's not a card that I think is so overpowered that they can't, you know, can't ever print it again or anything like that. And if you watch Game Nights, you'll know that, uh, or listen to the Command Zone podcast, you'll know that uh, Josh Lee Kwai feels the same way. This is like his pet card and everything. And, uh, you know, he's been calling for it to be reprinted all the time. Uh, but yeah, it gives everything that you've got flash. So this goes well with Kadena because she reads that your first, uh, each morph you play, uh, or is it your first morph? Whatever. It's 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 three generic less mana to cast, right? I believe it's each morph, and then it's the first morph you play, you get to draw a card from. So, uh, but it's it's each turn that morphs you you play cost, uh, 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 or your first morph costs three generic less to play, right? So. Uh, you can do this on all your opponent's turns, which is why a card that gives everything you have or creatures you have, uh, you know, flash is is so important. So I think Vidalcanori fits very well into this card uh, or into this deck, excuse me. If you don't have the money to drop on that, well, Leyline of Anticipation just got reprinted, right? So this is an enchantment for two generic and two blue. This card's for like three bucks right now, five bucks, something like that. So definitely go uh, pick up one or two if you're thinking of using it, if you don't have it already. Uh, and this card reads, if Leyline of Anticipation is in your opening hand, you may begin the game with it uh, on the battlefield, which is awesome, right? You don't even have to cast it. Uh, but, but what we really want here is you may cast spells as though they had flash. So there you go. This is a Vidalcan Orrery, but it's an enchantment. And it's, it's like I said, it's it's way, way more affordable right now. Far cheaper than Vidalcan Orrery. So if you don't have any copies of these, go pick up a few of them before the price kind of starts to creep back up over the next year or two. An another card is Vivian Champion of the Wilds. So this is a four loyalty planeswalker for two generic and a green. This was from War of the Spark. What we really care about Vivian for in this deck is her static ability. You may cast creature spells as though they had flash. So this still works with Kadena. We can still get that morph uh, out on each player's turn, right? Her her other abilities plus one until your next turn up to one target creature gains vigilance and reach. That's you know it, it can be handy if your opponents have evasion and you don't. Well then you can throw you know vigilance and reach on your on your beefiest blocker. Uh, and then minus two. Look at the top three cards of your library. Exile one face down. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. And for as long as it remains exiled, you may look at that card and you may cast it if it's a creature card. So not not bad. Uh, plus one and minus two abilities. However, what we care about is that static. Uh, you may cast creature spells as though they had flash ability. Uh, the next card that I thought of uh, is, is you know, we talked about the pickles combo uh, before, I think, on the show. And this deck does have a Suvin Shapeshifter in it. So, of course, you got to add Brine Elemental, right? Which is uh, four generic and two blue for a 5-4 Elemental. Uh, it's got a morph cost of five and two blue. 
And it reads, when Brian Elemental is turned face up, each opponent skips his or her next untap untap step. Say that 10 times fast. So what we're looking for here is uh, specifically each opponent, right? That's huge in a game of EDH because you're usually playing multiplayer. That's the funnest, you know, most fun way to play EDH. Uh, I have played 1v1. It's it's fine. But playing in a pod of, you know, three, four, five, whatever, uh, four seems to be kind of the, 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 the sweet spot. But again, this reads, each opponent skips his or her next on tap step. So I just think that's huge and, and, and that Brian Elemental definitely deserves a slot here. Uh, uh, another card that I think works well with Kadena, you know, as she reduces costs and as you're looking at flipping morphs and stuff like that, either in response to things happening or or on your turn uh, or, or whatever, is Wilderness Reclamation. So this is an enchantment for three generic and a green, and it reads, at the beginning of your end step, untap all lands you control. So obviously having access to all of your lands on your opponent's turns is great if you've got spells that you want to play, you know, at instant speed, or if you've got one of the cards out that allows you to cast... Um, any spells, uh, anytime that you could play an instant, then obviously this has great synergy with that. So it's it's a it's a card that's cheap and it's available, and I uh, I, I think it definitely deserves a look, you know, for a slot in this deck. Next one is Primordial Mist. So this came out in the Commander set uh, last year, Commander 2018. So for four generic and a blue, this is an enchantment that reads, at the beginning of your end step, you may manifest the top card of your library. So you don't have to, but it gives you the option. You can manifest it. And again, to manifest, you put it onto the battlefield face down as a 2-2 creature. You may turn it up at any time for its mana cost if it's a creature card. Uh, Turn it face up, excuse me, at any time for its mana cost if it's a creature card. Uh, And then it also reads exile a face down permanent you control, uh, exile a face down permanent you control face up. You may play that card this turn. So again, this card just adds synergy because you're looking to morph or manifest uh, as much as you can, right, in this deck. And I just think that this is another great outlet uh, in order to do that. And the, the most important part, it gives you the option, right? So if you're scrying or manipulating the top of your deck and you don't want to do that right now, well then, hey, you don't have to, but you can. So I, I like that. Uh, this next card is Void Mage Apprentice. So it's a 1-1 human wizard for one and a blue with a morph cost of two, and t- uh, two generic and two blue. Uh, but what we're looking at right here is when Void Mage Apprentice is turned face up, counter target spell. So we can use him with his morph cost. Maybe we've got the mists out that I just talked about and we have manifested him. And now we can flip him up at any time uh, for his for his uh, morph cost, right? And he's gonna he's gonna counter target spell. So this is just another way to kind of um, you know it's hidden from your opponents. They might not think of it the fact that hey, there's a counter spell potentially on the battlefield. So I think he he's a good look, uh, you know, for a slot in this deck. Next one we got is Salt Road Ambushers. So this is a uh, 3-3 Hound Warrior for three generic and a green. And this card reads, whenever another permanent you control is turned face up, if it's a creature, put two plus one plus one counters on it. Well, that's what we're looking to do all day with this deck, right? We're morphing and flipping and, and doing all kinds of stuff, flipping them face up. So this will give you two plus one plus one counters on it. And then this card uh, has Megamorph. So for uh, three generic and two green, you may cast the spell face down as a two, two creature for three. Obviously you can morph it, right? And then turn it face up at any time for its Megamorph cost and put a plus one plus one counter on it. So it becomes a four, four. That then allows you to dump uh, two plus one plus one counters on any other creatures that you morph, you know, after this guy's on the battlefield. So uh, I, I like him a lot. I think he's got some good synergy in this deck. Just like this next card, Teamer War Shaman. Shaman, excuse me. Uh, it's a four five human shaman for four generic and two green 
When Teamer War Shaman enters the battlefield, manifest the top card of your library. So again, we're putting that uh, card on the battlefield face down as a 2-2 creature, and then you can turn it up at any time for its mana cost if it's a creature card. Uh, but what we really like is the second part of, uh, of the card that reads, whenever a permanent you control is turned face up, if it's a creature, you may have it fight target creature you don't control. So that's cool, right? You can uh, have it attack stuff that you're looking to get off the board um, if it's big enough, right? So just, just another cool little option, especially if you've already got that Salt Road Ambushers uh, on, on the battlefield. So then any creatures you flip get those uh, two plus one plus one counters. So stack your triggers right and then have it fight something that, you know, won't kill it when it fights it, right? Last card on this list. This is kind of a pet card again, but I think it could be really good in this deck or at least a ton of fun. Uh, it's Guardian Project. It's an enchantment for three generic and a green. Whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control, if it doesn't have the same name as another creature you control or a creature card in your graveyard, draw a card. Well, guess what? This is this is a singleton format, right? So you're not going to have anything that shares names with it. So I think Guardian Project is a great card for Commander, uh, and any card that gives you value like card draw is is great to have. So. Like I said, this is a card I think could be a ton of fun in this deck. I think, honestly, I think it could be a ton of fun in any EDH deck that runs green. But I think it could it, it would fit real cool here. And I just want to put it put it out there. I It's a card that is definitely going to have a slot in my Yarrick deck. And I think, you know, again, slots well into any green EDH deck just because of the fact that the format is singleton. So we'll move on to our last deck, and that is Primordial Genesis. So this is the Naya Populate deck, right? Obviously, the first card that popped into my head for this is Helm of the Host, because all we're looking to do with this deck is make tokens on tokens on tokens on tokens on tokens, right? We want to go as wide as possible, cast that overwhelming stampede, and just stomp all of our opponents. So Helm of the Host, this is from Dominaria. It's an artifact for four generic, and uh, it reads, at the beginning of combat on your turn, create a token that's a copy of equipped creature, except the token isn't legendary uh, if equipped creature is legendary. That token gains haste. And the equip cost is five. So this just allows you, uh, especially, it's especially cool on legendaries that do cool stuff, um, but also other creatures that do cool stuff. Uh, create another, create another um, token. That's a copy of it at, uh, when you enter combat. So I absolutely love this card. I think it's a ton of fun with some stuff that you can do with it in EDH. And I think it, it slots really nicely into this deck. This next card actually might slot even better into the deck than Helm of the Host, but this came to mind second. And you, you'll, you'll find out really fast here as I go through the list that really what I was going for in this deck is how can I just abuse the populate effect, right? How can I abuse token generation just as, as nasty as I can? And one of the top things that came to mind was Anointed Procession. So this is an enchantment for three generic and a white. If an effect would create one or more tokens under your control, it creates twice that many of those tokens instead. So I run this in my Markov EDH deck because he poops out vampire tokens, but I think this might be even better uh, in this Naya Populate deck because there are so many ways to generate tokens. And uh, this creates twice the number of tokens that any effect that you have uh, creates. So this is just an awesome way to ramp up that token generation. Uh, this next card is from Innistrad. It's another enchantment that helps with token generation, and that's Parallel Lives. So for three generic and a green, if an effect would put one or more tokens onto the battlefield under your control, it puts twice that many of those tokens onto the battlefield instead. So this is anointed, anointed procession in green, you know, um, far before Amonkhet was printed. So just another card that I think you really need to take a look at and uh you know and consider for a slot as as you're upgrading your your naya populate deck 
Uh, this next card is from Battle Bond, and it's Bramble Sovereign. So it's a 4-4 Dryad for 2 generic and 2 green. And it reads, whenever another non-token creature enters the battlefield, you may pay 1 generic in a forest. If you do, that creature's controller creates a token that's a copy of that creature. So if you do that, and you've got, say, an Anointed Procession, Parallel Lives, both of them in there, now you're really talking value uh, for just paying 2 extra mana. So I really like Bramble Sovereign. I think the synergy possibilities with some 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 kind of EDH staples or even just cards that are cheap and, and, and effective in this deck it is just insane. You can really make this deck go absolutely bonkers and, and have a have a ton of fun playing it. But this next card, I, I thought we could use some more tutors in here. So I put in Eladamri's Call. It's a green and a white. It's an instant. It was just reprinted in Modern Horizons, actually. Uh, before that, I think it was Masters 25. And I don't know, it's been reprinted a bunch of times, but it's a great card. Uh, search your library for a creature card, reveal that card, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. So this isn't a, 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 a tutor you know, that lets you pick anything, but it's a creature tutor, which let's be honest in this deck, you're looking for, for creatures anyway, right? To, to, to get stuff onto the battlefield and really get your, get your populate stuff going. So I think Eladamir's call, it's easy to get the, the mana, the mana fixing is not hard, right? One green, one white. I, I think this is just a great card uh, that fits very nicely into this deck. This next card I actually had almost forgotten about, uh, but thank you EDH Rec and actually Advanced Search on Gatherer for reminding me of the fact that this card exists, and that is Fires of Yavamaya. So it's an enchantment for a generic, a red, and a green. Creatures you control have haste, so that's awesome if you're dumping out a bunch of 4-4 Rhino tokens, right? From from your general or any of your other uh, you know creatures that are allowing you to to uh, create tokens, uh, then it says sacrifice fires of Yavamaya. Target creature gets plus two plus two until end of turn. So what we're really looking for here is the fact that it's an enchantment that stays in the board and gives our creatures haste. Right, that's what we really want. Uh, but if we need to in a pinch, we can sack it to give creatures uh, a, a target creature plus two plus two until end of turn. So that's a really cool card that I think deserves a look. It's only an uncommon, but in this deck, it's super powerful. Uh, next card I picked um, was Aurelia, the War Leader. So this is a 3-4 uh, Flying Vigilance Haste Angel for 2 generic, 2 red, and 2 white. So again, you might have to do a little bit of mana fixing here, but mid to late game, it shouldn't be too difficult in this deck. And she reads, whenever Aurelia, the War Leader, attacks for the first time each turn, untap all creatures you control. After this phase, there is an additional combat phase. So this just allows you to manipulate combat throughout the game, right? And she's evasion, and I just think she's awesome, especially in combination if you've got, like, again, overwhelming stampede, overrun, you know, something like that that gives all your creatures a bit of a buffer and then also trample. Because if you can go wide enough, they're going to have a hell of a time trying to deal with that. And now you're throwing another combat step into the mix. It just gets nuts, right? So Aurelia the War Leader, I think, is a card that definitely deserves... A, a look for this deck. Next one, we're back to enchantments. This is a Beastmaster Ascension. So for two generic and a green, it reads, whenever a creature you control attacks, you may put a quest counter on Beastmaster Ascension. I think this is from Zendikar, uh, or at least a Zendikar block. And, you know, like Quest for the Nilestone, right? There was all the all the quest counter cards uh, back then. And as long as Beastmaster Ascension has seven or more quest counters on it, creatures you control get plus five, plus five. So that's fucking awesome, right? If you've got a ton of tokens, uh, now suddenly they're all plus five, plus five. Give those puppies trample, and now you're talking so just another way to really uh, bump up your creatures for for when you go wide the next card i think is just really good utility it's a really cheap instant that can save you in a pinch hence the name heroic intervention uh one generic and one green mana gets you an instant that reads permanence you control gain hexproof and indestructible until end of turn so avoid those board wipes right 
You spent all this time or put all this effort into getting your board to go stupid wide. So what's everybody going to do? We need a board wipe to deal with all those tokens. So if you got a heroic intervention, uh, it, it it helps you, right? At least for one board wipe uh, because it reads until end of turn. So maybe your next opponent has a board wipe, but this is a good way to kind of, you know, uh, uh, saving grace, right? For your, for your creatures. So this deck we've gone through kind of quick, uh, but I don't think it needs a ton of explanation, right? Um, and we're, we're already to the last one. This is another enchantment. Uh, you see a theme here, <laughs> like I was thinking for this deck. Uh, that's Flame Shadow Conjuring. So for three generic and a red, it reads, whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may pay one red mana. If you do, put a token onto the battlefield that's a copy of that creature. That token gains haste. Exile it at the beginning of the next end step. So this is just another way to kind of abuse token uh, generation. And if you've got stuff like uh, the Parallel Lives, Anointed Procession, the other tokens that generate from it don't get exiled at the end of the next step. So if you can play these in the right order or in an order that, you know, you're able to be efficient in, then you don't lose all those tokens, right? It's uh, it's it's pretty cool. So I think this is a good card that fits well with with what we were trying to do mechanically, right, uh, with this deck. So so that's it, man. Those are those are the upgrades that I thought of for uh, you know ten each for each of the the Commander twenty nineteen products. Let me know what you think. I mean, you know, did we miss something? Did I did I give something too much credit? Get get back to us. Uh, comment on the episode. You know, leave a leave a message uh, for us on our Facebook page. You know, let us know in the Facebook group. Whatever, because I'm I'm curious. I want to hear your opinions too. Those are just mine. Again, a quick off the top of my head. Hey, here's some cool stuff that could slide into these decks that uh, won't necessarily break the bank, unless of course you know it's uh, Vidalkan Orrery. But um, but yeah, that's it. Like I said, hopefully we'll be back next week with our actual recap where we kind of talk about how the decks played, what we liked, what we didn't like. Uh, you know, we'll get that to you guys as soon as possible. It'll probably be a little bit early too because next weekend is the holiday weekend. My wife and I will be gone all weekend. So I'm looking to get that episode out on Friday. Uh, either in the morning or the afternoon uh, before we leave for the weekend. And so so that being said, that's our episode for this weekend. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please remember to tell a friend and rate, review, and subscribe. That helps us so much. Uh, you know, you guys can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, any, any, anywhere that you consume your podcasts. And until next time, don't drink and scry. <laughs>